What do you do after 20 years of faithful servitude to God through church ministry and God leads you down a different path? How do you balance business and the pursuit of profit with faith? And is the church the only way to do God's work? We answer these questions and more on today's episode titled, You Can't Steer a Parked Car. As Christians, we were taught to be good stewards over our tithing and giving to the less fortunate. But when it came to our own personal finances and investments, we are clueless on what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about managing debt, leaving a legacy, investing, or even planning for retirement? We answer these and many other questions because we want to teach you how to be rich and righteous. If this is your first time to the show, we want to say welcome. If you're coming back for another spiritual refill, welcome back. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and this is Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things. Once again, welcome to Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things. As always, we'll start off by introducing and breaking down the episode scripture. Then we'll bring on our special guest. So let's get started. Today's scripture comes from the book of Job, chapter 23, verse 11. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. Now, remember, as a child, I would get excited when my dad asked me if I wanted to go out with him. My dad was a quiet man, but when he had something to say, <laughs> buckle down because you were going to be there for a while. But on those shopping trips, I knew it was going to be quick, in and out. Now, he used to tell me, son, a man knows what he wants. He goes in, gets it, and comes out. A deep contrast to my mother, who would spend the early mornings rubbaging through thrift shops and stopping at garage sales during the morning, eating lunch and picking up a few items on the way home. But what made my dad trip special was that I had to nearly run to keep up with him. Standing a tall six foot two, my four foot frame stride just needed three steps to keep up with one of his. But I followed closely. And even though I would fall behind, I always felt safe. I never took my focus off of my dad because if I did, it would be inevitable that I would fall behind and that sense of security would slowly fade away as he disappeared down a different aisle. God is the same way. He is here to show you the way and even if we stumble and fall, we must pick ourselves back up, catch up, and trust God knows the way. See, I never questioned my dad's direction, even if he spontaneously made a sharp right and I pray that you never stop trusting God as he takes you in a direction that you weren't intending to go. That is what happened to our next guest. But before we bring him on, let's open up in prayer. Father God, please bless this podcast as we give you all the glory. Guide this conversation in the direction that you see fit. May today's guest allow your spirit to come into his heart and glorify your name. May those who are listening be blessed by his story and the lessons that you have bestowed on him to share, that we continue our walk with God and allow him to lead us down the path he sees fit. We ask all of these things in your name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, by the grace of God, we are going to bring on our next guest. He's a retired pastor of 20 years who just can't stay retired. He's eager to see the family of Jesus actually be the people of God in this world. 
upon reflecting on his own need for a daily shot in the soul to get his mind aligned with the truth of God, he realized that short daily audio might be a helpful tool for others to use as well. As host of his own podcast, Morning Mindset Daily Christian Devotional with over 71,000 daily downloads. I think he's right. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode took us nearly two months, two recording sessions, and three rescheduled events to make. But by the grace of God, he made it happen on his time. So I want you to give the biggest hand clap of praise for Carrie Green. How you doing, Carrie? I'm doing great, AB. I sure appreciate your patience with me as we got this thing to happen. God gives us patience. To him, all the glory. See, I've yeah. been waiting a long time to do that intro. Or should I say, I've been waiting a long time to do that intro again. <laughs> you were just, yeah. So let's start off. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, and how you kind of came to know God? Yeah, well, I grew up in the Panhandle area of Texas. For those who aren't familiar with Texas, that's a little square box at the top of Texas. And our town was pretty much close to the center of that little redneck town, oil field town, cattle town. I grew up in a blue collar family and came to know Christ at a very early age. I believe I was five years old when on a Sunday night in a fundamental Baptist church, I heard the gospel message in a new way and I went down to the altar to pray and my mother walked down, uh, investigated what was going on and was able to lead me to Christ that evening. And so that's where it all began for me. Wow. That's a beautiful story. So think about it, right? You raise a child on the way that you want him to go. And that's what your mother did, right? Yeah. She set a good example for you. So what made you want to get into ministry? That transfer from going up to the altar to want to be in ministry? Well, that was many years later. I had kind of raised in that little town, grew up in the church, knew Bible verses, understood all the Bible stories, and kind of lived my own life until I was probably a junior or senior in high school in the Lord influenced my life through a teacher that I had in school who led me into a deeper faith. And once I got to college, was studying music, actually, mm -hmm. and was hoping to be a studio recording engineer and that sort of thing. And a friend who had been working in the admissions department of Colorado Christian University had just kept sending me information about the school and telling me I should come visit. And so on one of the campus days that they had where students come to visit, I decided I would go and I, it just took me sitting in one biblical studies class to realize wow. this is what I need to be doing. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so music was your calling at first, but then when you went to the school, it was the gospel that yeah. really spoke to you. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure I would say music was my calling. That was where I was going as a kid who didn't know where he was going. I just, it was a default. I had a scholarship for music. And so I went in that direction. We plan our way. The Lord directs our steps. Good. So can you tell me what was it like to go from a college to now running your own ministry? And I tell you, there's a lot of twists and turns on that road. My wife and I, we met at Colorado Christian University. And after a year and a half there, got engaged and were married while I had one year to finish up. And I finished school with a degree in youth ministry, uh, quickly got into youth ministry on a part-time basis and eventually full-time as an associate pastor at a church. When I first got the opportunity to preach God's word, that's when something inside of me came alive. 
And mm. I realized that was my true calling. Many years later, began serving churches as a lead pastor, teaching pastor, preaching many years uh, from the word, developing those skills. Once the Lord showed it to me that I needed to step out of pastoral ministry after 20 years, that's when the ideas for a ministry of my own began. It, it's kind of funny to say it that way. I don't consider it a ministry of my own. I consider it to be God's plan, and I'm just right. stepping into it and, and doing what he tells me to do. And it's been a success far beyond my dreams, but I should have expected something like that because God's involved, and he does things in ways we never imagined. You know, I, I do want to take a step back, too, and this is no pun intended, but you took steps. This wasn't a one day you wake up and you're just going to be in ministry and you're going to be the successful podcaster. You're going to be in ministry for 20 years. I mean, it was a slow process. So let's say from somebody who cared about you, leading you down the path, you having your heart and your mind open to the new possibilities and letting God pour himself into you, then transitioning to a youth pastor, then into your, your own space and time and it grew. And I think a lot of our listeners out there think that because they see you where you are now, that there was no possible way that they could start from the beginning. You know, it's, it's very difficult to be in the position that you are because you're essentially becoming a leader of men. So you have to manage a lot of emotions. You have to manage a lot of circumstances. And I can only imagine as a pastor of a church with a congregation of, you know, 20, 30, 40, how many people were in your church at that time? to deal with each of those individuals. How was that responsibility emotionally to deal with so many people on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, well, I can tell you at the beginning, it was very difficult. My wife is a much more attuned emotional person than I am. And so she picks up on people's body language, their expressions, their tone of voice, and understands that there might be something going on under the surface. I was not raised in a home where those skills were very strong in the part of anybody in our home. And so- okay. I grew up just kind of taking people's words to mean what they sound like they mean and assuming everything's all right unless they tell me otherwise. And so getting into church ministry, I realized uh, with the help of my wife that, man, there is a lot going on under the surface that you have to learn to discern and ask questions about. And so I would say over the years, the Lord taught me how to be in tune with my own emotion and the emotion of people I'm dealing with, how to learn how to ask questions to get into the issues that are under the surface and then bring the word of God to bear on those situations so that we can expose the lies we're believing in the lives that we're acting on by the truth of God's word that shows up as a contrast. It was quite a journey and quite a learning process for me, but praise the Lord, he's faithful to take us where we need to be. That's awesome. I just interviewed Mark Willis. He's a certified financial planner out of Chicago, I believe. And he says something very profound that he got from somebody, but he said, at the root of every conflict is unexpressed expectations. Yeah. And I thought that was so powerful because we really don't know what's at the root of people and their emotions until they express them. And sometimes they're expressed in other ways that it's going to come out at some point, even though you weren't in tune, you knew you had to get in tune. And the same thing was a financial advisor. People come into my office and there are some unexpressed expectations around finances and some of the things that they've gone through that they're unwilling to express and it causes conflict, whether in the marriage as well. They're not expressing to each other how they feel. Now, I also wanna take another step here. You went from not being technically in tuned with your congregation or having to learn 
to get in tune with your congregation to now opening a nonprofit, not a needy person. And what was the inspiration behind starting that nonprofit where now you have to be in tune with everyone who calls and, and reaches out to you? Well, that's a very interesting story as well. My wife really is the power behind not a needy person alongside the Lord, of course. She had the vision for it. She had the the sense of need that was there and really prompted me to come alongside her and help her figure out the technical side of things. For those who don't know, Not a Needy Person is a, a nonprofit organization that we developed on the back of the podcast, which is the Morning Mindset Daily Devotional. The way it happened is we have always had an appreciation for Acts chapter 4, where the brand new church was getting organized and started. The people within the church moved by the Holy Spirit, just spontaneously started selling their property and giving the proceeds to the apostles. And they told the apostles, just help people. Right. Whoever has needs, help them. And it says they were so effective in this that there was not a needy person among them. Wow. And AB, I just that just blows my mind to think about a church group or, or a larger growing church. I mean, there were probably hundreds or thousands of people at that time coming together to worship. And there was not one person who had a need. That's wow. just phenomenal. And, and I want to be a part of that kind of church. So as we would receive prayer requests from people who would listen to the morning mindset, oftentimes there were financial needs and someone losing a car and somebody lost a job, you know, and, and we all have been in those binds at times. And my wife came to me one day after processing some of those requests and she said, I have to believe there's a way with the audience we have that we can connect people who are in need with people who have the means to meet those needs. Right. And how can we do that? And Having worked in the podcast industry for a while, which is based very much on tech and stuff like that, I, I just knew the tech exists. There's got to be a way we can figure this out. Right. And so we did put together a platform based on some existing softwares that enables people to submit a need to us. We vet it by talking to the people, understanding their story, and legitimizing the things that are there, an actual need. And then we'll present those on the website. And those who have means can come and look at the website, read all of the stories, and choose to give to one or more of those as they see fit. So far, everyone who has submitted to us that we vetted has been fully met. Their need right. has been met. And we just love that a person in Chicago, Illinois, can meet the need of someone in the Philippines or South Africa, or someone in China can meet the needs of someone in South Dakota. I mean, it's amazing what the Lord has done. Wow, that, that is amazing. And one thing I want to talk about as well, which this blows my mind at this point, the question of how much is enough. So during that exercise, I'm sure people that were in that crowd said, how much do I need? And how much is more than I need? Yeah. And at that point, they understood what they were willing to give, or they were able to give. And that's where nobody goes unsatisfied. My listeners understand the four questions I ask consistently, which are, who owns it, which we know God owns it all, how much is enough? Who are the next stewards? And are they prepared? Mm. So when you're going through this exercise of how much should I give, the first exercise you should do is how much is enough for you? Once you're able to draw that line, any and everything above that, you should be able to give freely to other people, whether it's in the Philippines or in Chicago or people in need. And, and I love your organization because once again, as you said, you're connecting people that normally wouldn't be able to be connected with. You know, technology is very beautiful if we use it in the right way. Now we're able to affect the people not only in our own communities, but outside in the world as, the, as a human community there. So 
So not only are you a former pastor, you're a businessman, you're a podcaster, you're also a writer, and you're also on your third novel. So can you tell us a little bit about that book um, that you're writing? Yeah, well, actually, I just wrapped up the book about a month ago and got everything finally edited and put together. So the series is complete. It's a, a fiction series that comes from originally stories that I told my kids as we were driving in the car, just made up these stories about a kid who became a dragon slayer and mm. was trying to protect the land from these beasts that were coming in, threatening everybody. And my kids encouraged me, dad, you got to put those stories into print. And I know at the time, because they were in junior high age or younger, they were thinking, you know, kids stories. And that's kind of what I thought too. But as I got started writing them, they developed into much more than just kids stories. They're really on an adult, young adult level. And they are an opportunity I saw to integrate scripture into real life scenarios in a way that people can really learn from because there's something about fiction that it enables the reader to drop their barriers and their defenses yes. as they put themselves in the shoes of the characters. And so when a character experiences a loss of a loved one or the character experiences a miscarriage or post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, whatever the situation is that the character is going through, the reader can relate and the reader can understand where the truths of scripture that are being introduced fit into the story for the character. And, and you just kind of naturally apply those to yourself and you start looking at your own life in light of the truth that you're hearing. And so these stories really developed into a lot more than I expected. And so it's, it's finished. It's a series of three books called the dragon slayer chronicles. And it's not, you're talking magical dragons. It's beasts who have come in at the behest of some, some dragon masters who control them. And so it's a, a fight between good and evil it's a story of an average person coming up, stepping up to the challenge to, to raise together a team who can come alongside and help defeat this evil. Wow. So you're, you're writing this book and as you're developing it, this is not the only book that you've written. Yeah. These are the only fiction books that I've written. There are a handful of other books all based around either applying your faith to business. I have a couple of books on that, which are more a compilation of other people's thoughts who, who partnered with me on the book. But then there's some other books that are spiritual growth oriented. I've written a book called Recharge, which is a bunch of different ways of approaching the scripture that I've compiled together. There's a, another book called Moving Toward God, and it's a 19 module spiritual growth discipleship curriculum that anyone could use to grow in their faith. There's another book called The Elder Training Handbook that is really born out of my own experience when I moved into a church situation where we needed more leaders in the church but didn't have them. And how are we going to identify and train those men to come up as elders in the church? And so I just put together curriculum that I used and then realized these could be republished for others to use as well. So that's that's a handful of the books that I have available. The, the reason I bring up the books in the first place is because Jesus uses parables and yeah. he uses stories. You know, a lot of times where he was confronted, he would use a parable to tell the story. And the beauty of stories is that, as Carrie said it, you get to put yourself into the story and you can draw your own conclusions as God sees fit for you as well. I don't know if you've noticed in, in the scriptures when Jesus is asked the question, he answers with another question, yeah. a clarifying question. He really wants to understand what are you trying to ask of him? And then through the parables, he's able to tell you a story where you can come to your own answers. See, Jesus wants us to look inside ourselves, you know, have that personal relationship where we can kind of figure things out. That's what I love about you and your ability to express yourself. 
I brought up the books for a reason, not because I just want you to have a platform to sell your books. I want people out there to know that he has content. Don't get confused by the medium, which is a book or a podcast. Carrie has a message that he wants to share to the world. And that's where his talent lies. I don't know if you remember from the very beginning where he says that music and, and podcasting was techie. So he understood the power of technology and the medium to get his message across. For my listeners, I want you to find your talent and how to develop your message. Maybe it's not podcasting. Maybe it's not writing, but maybe it's speaking. Maybe it's volunteering. Maybe it's going down to a local soup kitchen and serving food or cooking. There is many ways for you to express your talents that God has given to you and those gifts. Well, I hope that you're enjoying the show, ladies and gentlemen, but we need to take a short break and hear from our sponsor, A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, providing people of faith investment advice from a biblical perspective. If you're struggling with your finances and looking for an advisor that shares your faith and not just your zip code, uh, be sure to schedule your free consultation at www.abrwealthmanagement.com backslash consultation. Um, if you love the podcast, uh, we are sure you'll also love our faith and finance blog that releases new posts every Tuesday and Thursday, where you can find more articles on faith, finances, and how to avoid some of those financial pitfalls so you can retire and stay retired happily ever after. Just go to our website, click on Christian Media, and you'll have access to all the resources we provide for Christian investors like you for free. Um, before we get back to the show, let me just say, make sure you also follow us on all of our social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, and YouTube. Just Google AB Ridgeway Wealth Management or check the description below and all links will be provided. Um, keep checking back because our merchandise store is coming soon. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, we are with Carrie Green, Bible teacher, speaker, podcast host, and business owner. He just finished going over some of his backstory, his evolution from a pastor to a podcaster. Same mission, different paths. Now, I want to take it a step further and discuss, can you explain the life of a pastor? And when did you know that the passion for that form of worship may not be where you want to finish your ministry? So we know the transition happened, but can you further explain what was going on internally with Carrie at that point? Yeah, well, I stepped into ministry after discovering what a joy it was to spend time devoted to developing instruction from the scriptures. And I assume that's part of how God's wired me is to appreciate that and, and be prone to teach it. And so you ask how, what's the life of a pastor like? Well, it, it's full of people. It's full right. of interaction with people and thinking of how you can take the truth God has revealed in the scripture and apply it so that people can benefit. But even before that, it's a life of being an example. And I, right. I don't say that lightly. A pastor has got to take their own character and their own integrity very seriously because we are to be examples if we're going to be in a spiritual leadership position. And much of what's happened in the decay of faith in Christianity, in the Western world anyway, has happened because of bad examples. People who weren't being on top of their own spiritual life and as a result some tragedy happened of, of moral failure or some sin or extortion or something like that comes in and it just devastates so many people because we wow. all need someone to look up to. Right. And, and when a pastor drops the ball in that way, it, it affects much more than that. You know, a pastor's life is one of constant working on your own life. It's also 
life of constantly working to help others grow. And that includes being involved in the mess of people's mm. lives, uh, the mess of your own life. Sometimes you're having to work through things in order to be that person of integrity. While pastors should be a step or two ahead of everyone else in their growth, they can't do that with any kind of arrogance or any kind of pride because mm. humility is is where they need to be so that the Lord can continue to use them. Transitioning out of pastoral ministry, which you asked about, was really just a sense that the the smaller context of shepherding a, a local church was, was something that the, the passion for that was waning. And it was becoming more of a burnout than a blessing. And so we just sought the Lord and he seemed to be guiding us out. And so we just made a decision to find a way to support the family some other way, because I feel like that role is one where you can't be a hireling. You have to really have your heart in it right. because the people of God really deserve that. We talk about identity here pretty often. I had a guest, Tony Hickson. He actually owns a firm out of Ohio, I believe. Manages $300 million in assets. He hired a life coach for some of his clients because of life transition, the post-retirement kind of depression and anxiety. We talk about identity and tying our identity to our jobs. So when we retire, we lose that identity. I'm going somewhere with this here. When we lose our identity, sometimes that does cause depression and anxiety. Yeah. As a pastor, your life is the church. And that's what I'm getting from you is that you are on a daily basis dealing with individuals, their emotions, their ups and downs. And sometimes that could be overwhelming, even for one individual, even with the spirit of God. So you're making this change over to podcasting. But with that change, you're reaching thousands of people at this time. So now instead of just a small panhandle in Texas, you're reaching thousands of people. Can you explain the difference between daily engagement with a small congregation and a far larger outreach on a podcast. Well, the daily interaction with people in a congregation usually happens face to face at least once a week, but many times with someone showing up at the office, knocking on your door, giving you a call in the evening, you know, people who really can reach out to you and come face to face so that you can discuss things and be involved in each other's lives. The ministry I'm involved with through the podcast is very different than that. There's been a handful of times we've been able to meet listeners personally. But even then, they go back to their home and we go back to our home and we're, we're separated by distance usually. Um, so, so there's a difference in terms of the amount of engagement that I can have in the lives of the, the listeners. Though I always ask people to send me emails and tell me their story and I pray for them and, and I interact with them via email. There, there is a difference and it's, mm -hmm. it's a sad difference, but it's one that obviously has to exist. That's why I'm always encouraging people to find a local church in their area where right. they can get plugged in because... If a family member of theirs dies or is in the hospital or they have some great need, I'm not going to be the one who's able to come. Mm. But someone in their local community can. They need to be able to build those relationships as well. You didn't 100% disconnect from the people because you still do speaking engagements, which is an in-person kind of medium to spread that gospel. Can you tell us more about your speaking engagements and how those work? Yeah, well, honestly, I haven't done many speaking engagements. We have Kind of manufactured a few of our own as we were traveling around the country for a few years we would announce for example we're going to be in this area of florida and anyone who wants to meet let us know and then we would organize a meetup and do a little bit of encouragement and speaking there connecting with people and, and that's the events i was talking about where we've met people face to face but that all aside we are open my wife and i are open to coming and doing any kind of presentation for a spiritual renewal sort of a week or a marriage renewal week, parenting classes. I mean, whatever a partner 
organization may want to ask us to come and do, we're totally open to those things. It's uh, an opportunity that we would relish. Okay, perfect. So speaking and being in front of a congregation is still in you just a little bit. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, I love the face-to-face. -face. I love Good. meeting new friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord. And the fact that we can't continue the relationship long-term to me is is a sad thing about it, yeah. but it's it's necessary in the kind of world we live in. Yeah, and I just think that it's very imperative for people like you to get in front of congregations. And the reason is, you brought the point, I'll bring it up one more time, is that when you come from a small community, you know that community. And that's pretty yeah. much all you know. And a lot of people... They've never really been 20 miles outside their city limits. Their perspective on what life is, is pretty narrow. But you're dealing with people with the Philippines and Chicago and Florida and all over the United States and all over the world for this matter. So your perspective on what Christianity looks like from a worldview is a little bit different. So when you speak, you're speaking from the hundreds of thousands of people that you engage with and not necessarily the 50 mile radius of a town that you used to live in type idea. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. So I want to move a little bit forward here to podcast editing. So you have a company that you actually help podcasters edit. Yeah. When I stepped out of ministry, obviously I had to find a way to, to put food on the table for the family and the little town that we lived in, there was no opportunity there for the kind of income I needed to make with my family. I just started developing my own business and it eventually centered around podcasting. As a podcaster myself, I understood the, the industry, understood the needs that podcasters have. And so started developing a little handful of services that could serve podcasters. The Lord has blessed that tremendously. Mm -hmm. He's brought us to the point that we serve 50 plus clients a month now. And we have a team of 11 people that serve those people doing podcast editing, doing writing of, of show notes posts for their websites, creating artwork, doing video editing, all kinds of things that we're able to provide. And it's a way that we can serve the people who have a message to give. And being a man of faith myself, I try to be very careful about who we work for and who we work with because, you know, there's certain messages out there I don't want any part of. Right. <laughs> certain right. messages right. certain messages that I, I can't be a part of just because of my convictions. And so, you know, we walk a real careful line there, but we're also real clear that, you know, if you have a message that's worth putting out into the world, we want to talk. That's awesome. And the reason I bring this up as well, everything has a reason. My, my listeners know it's like Elijah was not going to just bring up anything for any rhyme or reason. But I want to speak to you and actually bring you on as a guest is because you being able to express your talents in so many different forms goes to a topic that I talk to my listeners and people that are on my newsletter about the ugly duckling syndrome. The point is, the ugly duckling wasn't always about looks. It's about identifying what you are and who you are and getting in the right environment so you can thrive. Because if you call yourself being authentic, I'm going to put my whole self in this. Well, maybe your whole self cannot thrive in that environment. Maybe you are a speaker. Maybe you're a podcaster. Maybe you're a writer. But the writer in you cannot thrive on a podcast medium. It needs writing. It needs a book. The speaker in you cannot thrive on, uh, let's say, book writing. You need to go out there and meet the people. You need to be on stage. Those different qualities in you need to be expressed. And even when it comes to expressing the gospel or living the gospel, we need to make sure we put ourselves in different environments. If you love to sing, get into choir. You know, if you love to read, you know, get into an Easter play. Or maybe if you love acting, you know, spread the gospel through there. But finding your talents 
and making sure that you're not pigeonholing yourself into just one medium. Carrie's not just a podcaster, and that's why I want to bring this up. He helps other podcasters because that helps him spread the gospel. Also, he's a speaker. He still goes on stage. He is making sure that the gifts God has given him are being used in the right environment. So, Gary, I have a little surprise for you. I know this conversation has been a little bit heavy. We've talked about your transformation. We talked about your 20-year career. We talked about your businesses. We talked about your book. We talked about your daily meditation, your podcast. But we're going to have a little bit of fun here. Are you ready? Right. Yeah. So if my listeners have been keeping up with the show, they know what time it is. It is time for 10 for 10. Not to be confused with 30 for 30. I don't want to be sued by ESPN. <laughs> In this game, I'm going to ask you 10 questions and you get 10 seconds to answer them. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. One, what was your defining moment when you knew that podcasting was going to be how you continue to spread the gospel? I think that defining moment was probably when we first published The Morning Mindset and within three to four days, we had three to 400 listens. Uh, I mean, that's unusual in podcasting for a brand new show. Two, you are a renowned speaker. Of your speaking engagements, which one was your favorite so far? Oh gosh, I would just say every Sunday in a local church, just preaching the word of God. Perfect. Three, if someone wants to take the leap of faith and change career paths like you, what piece of advice would you give them? I would just say explore all the options, figure out which ones resonate with you and take a step forward. The doors will open. Four, where can someone connect with you? And you can't say your website. <laughs> well, how about email? You can send me an email, Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, at Carrie Green, just like the color.com. Five, there are hundreds of podcasts created daily. How can a new podcaster stand out? Well, you got to do great content and you got to do it consistently. So get clear on what you want to say and say it the best you can. Six, you have produced tons of podcasts and episodes. What was your favorite episode and a quick why? I think my favorite was an interview that I did with a guy named Nick Loper, who does a show called The Side Hustle Show. And his story is just fascinating. You have to learn more. You have to talk to Carrie. He only has 10 seconds. Seven, if you had all the money in the world, what would you be doing? I would likely be doing just what I'm doing right now. I don't have any qualms about my life. Eight, you wrote Entrepreneur Mind Hacks Volume 1 and 2. Which entrepreneur featured in those volumes had the most life-changing advice, and what was it? I think it's a guy named Owen. He's known as Owen Video, and his story includes recovering from cancer, and his story was very inspiring. Nine, with inflation, prices are going up. According to the Retail Milk Price Report issued by the United States Department of Agriculture, what is the average price of reduced 2% gallon of milk? $1.98? Three ninety-seven, or four dollars and three cents. I'm gonna go for four oh three. Three dollars and ninety-seven. <laughs> <laughs> Number ten. What is your favorite Bible verse? And not Genesis one one, John three sixteen, or John eleven thirty-five. Jesus wept. Yeah, my favorite is actually two verses that are one sentence. It's Colossians one twenty-eight and twenty-nine, and it says, "We proclaim Him." admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. 
Congratulations, Carrie. Congratulations. Nine out of 10. You did an amazing job. Now you're, you're up there. Everybody misses that one. This is that one question people miss, but yeah. But before we go, we have also a segment called once in a lifetime where we give our guests a chance to say something that will change our listeners lives forever. If you were to give one piece of advice, what would it be? I would say if you don't know Jesus Christ, read the books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the new Testament and pay special attention to who Jesus is, how he speaks, what he says, who he says it to, how he treats people. He is an irresistible personality who will transform your life. Perfect. Well, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, I want to give Carrie a chance to tell the listeners where they can find him and sign up to speak with him for any of his endeavors that you've heard today. Yeah, well, the best place is my website, carriegreen.com. Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your experience with our audience. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you've been blessed. Don't worry. This may not be the last time that you hear from Carrie. As many of our listeners know that we are planning to have an end of the year reunion for all of our guests and have a roundtable discussion. So if you've enjoyed this episode, make sure that you send us an email at info at abrwealthmanagement.com and vote for your favorite guest. All links discussed during this podcast will be in the description below. And we pray you continue to pursue your journey of being rich and righteous. I hope that you've been blessed. As always, this episode was created by A.B. Ridgeway, owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, a virtual and in-person fee-only advisor that believes that financial advice should have God in it. If you need help figuring out your finances, feel free to reach out to us at 337-414-3686 or visit our website at www.abrwealthmanagement.com and schedule a free consultation. New episodes are available every Friday, so be sure to subscribe. You can also listen to our podcast on your favorite platforms, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Or simply visit our website and join our family. I am A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing. Elijah Ridgeway is an investment advisor representative and owner of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor which produces a podcast show and makes it available on its website and through other distribution channels. Elijah Ridgeway and any guests on the podcast are providing their own views and opinion are not necessarily the views and opinions of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management. Nothing on the podcast should be construed as solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any specific security. Investment advisory services are only provided to investors who become A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management clients pursuant to a written investment management agreement. Clients of A.B. Ridgeway Wealth Management may hold positions and securities discussed in the podcast. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk and may lose money. Financial advisors say the Darnest Thing podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for any investment decisions. Instead, please consult a financial advisor, accountant, attorney, and or conduct your own due diligence.